My name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors. I'm glad you're here. I, uh, I sometimes wonder if I didn't have to interrupt you, how long y'all could go. And then I realized y'all are probably thinking the same thing about me. How long could I go if we didn't have to stop? Well, my name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors. I'm glad you're here. Um, I, uh, um, I'm going to start back again in our series about Revelation. Yes, we're going back to Revelation. Um, if you've been counting, this is week 22. Um, we're now to chapter 12, if that tells you anything. We've been looking at what in the world is going on, and we've looked at the seven trumpets and the seven seals and the seven thunder judgments, and then there's this pause that we're in where God almost says, okay, i got to give you more background information before we get to the bold judgments, the final judgments. And so for the next week, two or three, we're going to be looking at this information God wants us to have about the Antichrist, about... Uh, some signs in the heavens, and, and about the 144,000. And we'll be looking at that before we pick up the bold judgments. Now, this particular sermon, in my opinion, is the most, diff bless you, is the most difficult sermon of the entire series. Um, I promised when we started that I would preach every word of Revelation. Uh, and let me start with a warning. There's a fine line in this sermon between being aware of what God is doing and recognizing what Satan is doing, okay? Now, if you're someone who's ever been lost in the demonic practices of horoscopes and astrology, let me just tell you that you've been horribly deceived. And I would never want to do anything that encourages you to even come close to that dark place again. However, God's word doesn't change even if we've been deceived about it. There are some things we're going to talk about today. Satan has truly deceived people through the study of the stars and the planets. And there's a huge difference between astronomy, the study of the universe, and astrology receiving guidance from the universe. And we're going to talk about that today because the scriptures take us there. Now, we're in Revelation 12, verse 1. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out with birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, and his tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she'd been nourished for 1,260 days. So our first question is, is this a sign like a sign in the heavens or a sign in heaven? Could be a vision broadcast to earth, the heavens open up and we see all this stuff happening. But typically signs in the heavens involve stars and planets. Particularly this time because there's the inclusion of the sun, the moon, and it suggests that this is some kind of sign that's going to be seen in the heavens. God can do whatever he chooses. We don't really know 
one way or the other, a sign is promised. A sign means it's, this is not just a vision that John is seeing in that moment. It's a sign to the world. It's an awareness, something the world should be watching for that points towards the end of times. That's why God tells us it's a sign. I'm giving you a sign. Just as the wise men saw the sign of Jesus at his arrival, it appears that there will be a sign at his second coming. Matthew 2.1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. God had spoken through the stars to announce the arrival of Christ, and it makes sense that he might do the same with his return. He says a great sign will appear in heaven. Not just a sign, a great sign. We know that the Bible is full of signs in the heavens, blood, moon, solar eclipses, rising stars. It shouldn't surprise us. Genesis 1.14, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for, there it is, signs and for seasons and for days and for years. And let them be lights in the expanse of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. Look closely at the purpose of the lights in the heavens. Let them be signs and for seasons and times to count days and years. They are lights in the expanse of heaven, signs to show us, to teach us, to reveal what God wants us to know. Now the wise men in Babylon saw a star rising in the heavens and they recognized that was the sign of the coming Messiah. They knew the scriptures, and they knew how to read the signs that God had placed in the stars. They were, after all, wise. Numbers 24, 16. The oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High and who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It will crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. The wise men knew the scriptures. They saw the sign, but how did they know the scriptures? Well, it's incredible to me how God orchestrates every detail. We've studied how, how the people of Judah were taken from the Holy Land to Babylon in 586 B.C., we know the stories of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, Daniel and the prophets. We know that under Nehemiah, 70 years later, they returned and they brought back the scriptures and talked of a Messiah to come. They returned under King Cyrus around 530 B.C. 500 years from then, 500 years later, the nation's looking for the birth of the Messiah. Turns out they weren't alone. Wise men from the region of Babylon were looking also for the sign that was promised in the scriptures. Think about how incredible that is. 500 years, those wise men, they were probably the 10th generation away from the originals that knew Daniel. 10 generations. And yet they're looking for a king, and it's not even their king. It's a king of the Jews. They were looking at the stars in Babylon for the sign of the king of the Jews. Based on what? The Jewish people had the scriptures and they didn't look for it. They didn't recognize it. What had the wise men found that the Jewish scholars had missed? These men, like hundreds of them, it wasn't three, it was probably several hundred, traveled across the desert for two years 
to come see a king that wasn't their king. What in the world made them do that? How would the Magi far off in Persia recognize this supposed moving light as an announcement of the king of the Jews and take this long and dangerous journey to go see him? What was so convincing? What was so unusual? How did they know it was his star? Hold that thought for a moment. You ever wonder why God went to such great extremes to create the universe instead of just the earth? You ever thought about that? Why he gives us planets and stars and all things celestial? Why he arranges them and why have these arranged? Why have them rotating in a symmetrical pattern? Why did God do this? What purpose do they serve? Genesis 1.14, let there be lights in the expansion of the heavens to separate day from night and let them be signs and seasons for days and years. God gave us planets and stars for signs and seasons. What, what kind of signs? What, what, what signs? What seasons? Yet we've been instructed to pay attention to what's going on in the heavens above us. Luke 21, 25, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your head because your redemption is drawing near. God says, look, there's going to be signs in the heavens, blood moons. I'm going to tell you what they are, which implies he wants us looking that direction. The sun shall be turned to darkness, Joel says, and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Do you know who set up the zodiac? Put your spiritual seatbelts on for a minute. Bumpy road ahead. Yeah, I said it, the zodiac. Do you know who set up the zodiac? Twelve pictures painted in the heavens. Twelve signs, if you will. Do you know that constellations go as far back as mankind? The Jewish historian Josephus says they were named by Seth, the third son of Adam. The Bible says that God assigns his own names to the stars. If so, he may have revealed them to early people. Psalm 147.4, he determines the number of stars, he gives to all of them their names. Isaiah 40, 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He brings them out, their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might and power, because he's strong in power, not one is missing. Wow. God put the zodiac in place before there was anybody here to mess it up. He linked the stars in patterns. He named the stars, the constellation, and he calls them out in seasons. Seriously? Yeah, very. Job 38, 31. Can you bind the change of Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? Can you lead forth the Maseroth in their season or can you guide the bear with his children? Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? In the Pleiades are seven sisters or clusters of stars nearest the earth. There are seven of them. They're in the constellation Taurus. Can you lead forth the Maseroth? Do you know what Maseroth means in Hebrew? Zodiac. Maseroth is a Hebrew word meaning the 12 constellations of the Zodiac. 
Each constellation is visible in the sky for a season. Each constellation has to be highlighted. The bear with its children is Ursa Major or the Big Dipper. Then according to God's message to Job, it was only God who could bring forth the Maseroth in his season. Constellations have been designated as representing Venus, the Virgin, balances, fish, lions. God literally created them and moves them across the sky. The Word tells us He brings them out in their season. And I know y'all are freaking out. You thought man came up with this stuff, right? God tells us there are 12 constellations in the Maseroth or the Zodiac. They were placed in the sky and named by Him. That he brings each one out in season, every season, every month. One of them is highlighted in the stars as a sign for all to see. The Bible's clear. God created the zodiac. He created the universe, and he did it for a very specific reason. So now would be a really great time to talk about the difference between astronomy and astrology. Astronomy, which God encourages, and astrology, which God fervently forbids. Astronomy is the science of studying the stars and the planets, particularly the movement of heavenly objects around the earth. Astronomy is to heavens what oceanography is to the sea. Astronomy is what makes us go to the moon, think about the wonder of God, and explore the incredible universe that he's created. Most of us study the stars with a pure heart and find ourselves being drawn closer to God by seeing the incredible universe that he's developed. After all, the scriptures say the heavens declare his glory. Knowing constellations, the North Star, and the position and movement of planets makes us stand in awe at the complexity and order of God's creation. Astronomy, much like physiology or oceanography, draws us to the heart of our creator. God tells us that anyone who's lived on earth should be aware of who he is because he's revealed himself to us through his creation. While astronomy is a worship experience for God, astrology is a worship experience of the devil. Satan always bastardizes God's truth. It really makes me angry. He tries to ruin what God created, particularly if it shows Satan's defeat. The 12 signs that God placed in the heavens tell the story of the destruction of Satan and the victory of Christ. So Satan pulls us away from understanding that message he tempts us to worship the creation instead of the creator. The Bible does not tell us to search the stars for detailed, previously unknown messages or to search the stars to find revelation about our future. Signs given to us by God have already been defined and their meaning has been revealed and it's in Scripture and Scripture only. Stars will never reveal something that's not already revealed in Scripture. In fact, warnings are given to believers against trusting the stars. Caution is needed when searching the gospel in the stars. Constellation symbols have many interpretations. And since Babylonian times, Satan has counterfeited the zodiac with what is called astrology. Astrology is the worship of stars. It's occultism. It's pagan. It's people worshiping creation instead of their creator and making created things their god. It's the interpretation of the influence of stars and planets on human destiny. It's a false belief. The royal astrologers of the Babylonian court were put to shame by God's prophet Daniel and were powerless to interpret the king's dream. 
God specifies astrologers as among those who will be burned as stubble in God's judgment in Isaiah 47. Astrology is a form of divination expressly forbidden in scriptures, Deuteronomy 18. God forbade the children of Israel to worship or serve the host of heaven, Deuteronomy 4. Several times in their history, however, Israel fell into that very sin. Their worship of the stars brought God's judgment every time. Like everything God has created, Satan has tried to ruin. There's nothing wrong with knowing about or looking at zodiac constellations. They're part of God's incredible creation. In fact, there's nothing wrong with looking to the heavens for signs from God. It's what's known as biblical astronomy. We get into danger zones, though, when we think the stars are telling us something about ourselves separate from God. When we go to the stars to look for any advice, any future advice, anything, instead of turning to God. When we think we're born under some zodiac sign and it gives us traits and characteristics. Those things bastardize God's creation and look for sources of truth separate from God. It's called astrology and it's forbidden by God. Astronomy looks at the universe stars and the rotation of the planets, comets and meteors as they move through the stars. They don't attribute meaning to anything. They just note what's there. However, God in his word sometimes attributes meaning to what is there. Astrology says man can place his own meaning to stars in the sky and determine for himself what it means, and that's demonic. There's a very fine line between seeing what's in the heavens and attributing some kind of information to them. And it doesn't have to be stars. Many people see symbols of the gospel in crosses on flower petals or Christmas stars on sand dollars or religious images on rusty water towers. We, we don't have to look to the stars. Many people look for crazy stuff. But have you ever wondered why Satan chose the constellations as the object of worship for his followers? Those who've been by, saved by Satan almost always use symbols of constellations, horoscopes, planets, and stars to give some meaning to their lunacy. In fact, it was hard to find slides to show you today because most of them are bombarded with satanic symbols that we don't need to be looking at or putting up. Satan always counterfeits the things of God. Yet despite Satan's efforts to dissuade us, God told us to look for the heavens for signs of things to come. Not signs that are new. He's telling us what it means if he chooses to. We're to look to the heavens and notice that God's word is once again correct. Jesus' birth was announced with a star. His return will be preceded by signs and wonders in the sky and heavens. While these messages have been badly corrupted by astrology, they do predate any astrological meanings. In other words, God put these pictures, God put these constellations in the stars before man was ever there to make any interpretation of them. They precede astrology. According to the ancient Jewish historian Josephus, the primeval meanings were established originally by God himself through the ancient patriarchs. Signs that God never add or discredit what's revealed in his word. We're to pay attention to signs, thus the sign in Revelation 12. 
God's word is clear that God himself is in control of the universe, the stars, and the zodiac. It may surprise you that God set the zodiac in place, meaning a circle of animals, pattern in the sky to tell a story. They were used as signs to give us seasons. The constellations exist and serve God's purposes as he allows them to exist. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things are created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you know that the zodiac is a circle of constellations, 12 of them? And each has three associated constellations called deacons that go with them? Do you know that each constellation with its three deacons tell the story of Jesus? That if you work your way around the constellation, starting with vertigo, you get the visual image of man, the fall of man, the judgment of man, the Messiah to come who wrestles the beast, strikes his head, and is attacked on the heel. The sacrificial death of the Messiah on, guess what, the Southern Cross. The redemption of his followers and the ultimate destruction of Satan. That's what the Zodiac is. God placed stars in the heaven. He named them. He arranged them. He incredibly wrote the story of mankind in the heavens for all to see. He told the story of man and the stars before we even decided to sin. Long before the Greeks made up false gods to replace the real one and fortune tellers started reading constellations to try to find answers to life, long before the very first astrologer was ever created, the zodiac was there. God put it in the sky. 48 constellations date back to the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Remember, Abraham was in Ur of the Chaldeans. So as far back as Abraham, these symbols and signs were recognized and known. Dots could have been drawn anyway. You may be saying, okay, all right, all right. I get they're up there, but who drew the dots? Who connected them? That's kind of like anybody. I could draw anything. I've done connect the dots before. They've stayed the same for 5,000 years. Lion, scorpion, crab, bull, ram. And then a maiden, and of all things, a balancing scale. How weird is that? These images remain the same, and their 36 deacon images never changed. All multiple cultures, all up to the current day. Just like the Word of God, in many ways, written and unchanged, it seems the stars have not changed either. God said he created them, he set them in order, and he named them. The same 48 have been unchanged for 5,000 years. Yes, the entire story of man, sin, Satan, Jesus' salvation, are written in the Maseroth. I told you this sermon is going to get uncomfortable. Why? Well, most Christians have absolutely no knowledge of the Zodiac because they have correctly understood that astrology is forbidden by God. So what if there were signs in the heavens pointing to the second coming, just like there were for his first coming? What if God told the story not only in the events happening on earth, not only in the prophets, not only in the scriptures, not only in the feasts, but in the stars? Psalm 91.1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no words, whose voice is not heard. 
Their voice goes out through the earth and their words to the end of the world. In him he has set a tent for the sun. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. Incredible. The sky proclaims at night in a language that goes throughout the entire earth. It's as if God had painted a master slideshow in the heavens above us each night that tell the story of man and God and Satan and Jesus. Let me just show you four of the constellations and their deacon stars and their meaning. Not a class in biblical astronomy, but I want you to have an idea so when we get to Revelation 12, it'll make more sense. Each constellation has one central figure and three additional figures called deacons. Each star has a name given by God, and each deacon has a name given by God. The constellations are arranged in a circle. Their arrangement to each other tells the story. Virgo, the virgin. And I apologize for this. Can we turn down the house lights, somebody? Um, who knows how to? Kevin, can you do that for me? The virgin, made of seven stars, the number of completion. She's holding a righteous branch in her hand, the seed of the woman who's to come. The coming will be glorious and beautiful. The promised seed who shall come down, the son who comes. The three deacons are named the desired son, the despised, and the coming one. The meaning of the sign is clear. The virgin will send forth the Messiah. Libra, the scales. Three stars representing the number of completion. The price is deficient. The redemptive price is necessary. The meaning of the star is clear. Deacons are the southern cross, the victim, and the royal crown. Sin must be paid for. He redeems according to the law, for he's perfect and without sin. King of king, lord of lords, pays the price for the imbalance in the world. Scorpion, Latin, the heart of a scorpion. The enemy of man and God now appears Wounding and being perverse, he's attacking the heel of Jesus. There are only two stars in Scorpio, which is the number of division, not unity. And Taurus, one of his stars, means to wound, and that's what Satan does. Three deacons, the serpent, the serpent holder, and the mighty man. The mighty man is fighting the serpent. He's down on one knee, right foot on the head of the dragon with a club upraised. We call him Jesus. He's been renamed by the Greek as Hercules. Sin brings death. Here's the great conflict. The old serpent, the devil, wants the throne of God. He wants to take it. The serpent holders restraining him, and then enters Jesus. Down on one knee, but not defeated. Down on one knee with his right heel raised as if wounded. Down on one knee in the garden, yet not defeated. Down on one knee with a club in his hand, ready to strike the serpent. Leo the lion. Latin means lion. Leo is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Twelve stars representing completion. The righteous branch, he roars out of Zion. He comes to his own again. When he comes the second time, he'll tread underfoot his enemies. Three deacons, the excluded, joined with the serpent and ravens tearing to pieces what's left. What we have here is the wrath of God being poured out as Leo comes to pounce on the head of the servant. Sagittarius is an archer that represents demonism. Capricorn, the earth's corruption. Aquarius, pouring out living water on the earth. 
Pisces, God's remnant, Aries, the ram of sacrifice, Taurus, the bull of resurrection, Gemini, the twin, representing Jesus' dual nature of God and man, and Cancer, the crab, gathering the redeemed from all over the earth. The only reason the constellations are in the sky is because God created them and brings them out every night for us to see. He gave them to us as light in the darkness and a sign and for seasons. Like everything God created for us, they are for his glory and his worship. The stars were a way for the story of God to be communicated before it was ever written down. Genesis 3.15, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, you shall bruise his heel. You want to see that in the stars? Can't see it very well. That's Jesus wrestling the snake, the scorpion, Satan is biting his heel. God told stories in the Zodiac, but Satan has distorted it so much, Christians aren't even aware of it. Here's the image of the lion of Judah stomping the head of the snake. I don't know if that one's there or not. Yeah. There are biblical images throughout the sky. Satan has bastardized them. Those believers in the first century, though, saw it and knew it. See, the desert lands of Israel get very hot all year long. In fact, houses were built with roofs that were more like patios so people could sleep at night under the stars. The Jewish people, the constellations were all very well known. Josephus and others write a great deal about them, but they did not see them as providing messages, new messages, but rather revealing the truth that God had already established. They recognized that each constellation had three deacons or three images. They believed God wrote the story of the Jews in the sky, that the constellations tell the complete story of God and redemption through a Messiah to come. Many nights, Jewish people would fall asleep looking at the stars and the planets and praying to God. There's something special about that feeling you get when you realize the vastness of the universe, the smallness of you, and the greatness of God. Because they were familiar with the stars, they could look into the sky and name the constellations and the planets closest to them. They were able to see the inner planets with a naked eye. So they were familiar with those planets closest to us. No problem seeing Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. And I still think Pluto is a planet. They didn't have a telescope. But they knew the significance of each constellation and each planet. You see, the constellations, the stars are the backdrop, and then the planets move through. And the planets come through at different ways, different times. But the constellations stay the same, and they rotate. A first century Jewish audience would look at the constellation through Greek influence, but to them, Leo the lion was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Virgo was the virgin, a pure Jewish woman, they felt, the nation of Israel. They knew the various constellations, and they remained constant as planets rotate through them. Every night, they likely pondered the wonder of God and his creation. They knew the constellations of God long before the Greeks renamed them and messed them up. They also understood the meaning handed down to them by God. They didn't look anywhere else for any kind of meaning or interpretation. They looked simply at God and his scriptures. 
Venus was always called the morning star because it's seen at sunrise on the horizon next to the moon. In fact, when you see a planet next to the moon, it's almost always Venus. That should reassure us since Jesus told us Venus was his star. Revelation 22:16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root, the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Jupiter is the largest planet, and we know that first century Jews believed Jupiter represented God. The moon was always associated with Israel. They followed a lunar calendar. They set feasts based on the moon, and they knew that they themselves held no light. The only light they could project is that which they reflect to the world. The brightest star in the constellation of Leo, the lion, represents Judah, is Regulus. One of the brightest stars ever seen at the head of the lion is Regulus. Many people believe that the sign that was seen by the Babylonians that announced the birth of Jesus was when Jupiter, the planet of God, came in front of Regulus, the largest, brightest star in the heart of Judah, the heart of the lion, and created the brightest star ever seen. It was considered and called the king's star. Sometimes we play junior astronomer and we watch blood moons or an eclipse or a meteor. And they make us realize for a minute that God created an incredible universe. That somehow he makes the supernatural seem natural. I think if we knew nothing about the demonic influence of astrology, if somehow we just could erase that from our existence, and we looked at these stars, we'd say it's pretty obvious. That's Jesus wrestling with a six-headed snake. There's Jesus controlling the snake and being bit on the foot by a scorpion. There's Virgo, the virgin woman with a branch in her hand. The ram representing sacrifice. The twin representing the two natures, God and man. There's the lion of Judah crushing the head of the snake. There's Jesus pouring out water on the earth. That's the Holy Spirit. There's scales of justice. These symbols are pretty obvious. Too much so to be coincidence, I think. I don't mean anything other than the fact that they're there and God put them there and they tell us the story that God has already revealed to us. They have no special meaning. They're there. Some images are carved stick figures lining the walls of caves that were put there long before people could ever write. It looks to me, at least, like God wrote the story of man and the stars. So what did the wise men see that was so compelling? In other words, what did God put in the heavens to announce the coming of Jesus to the earth? What was his star? Well, astrology is forbidden, and the Babylonians certainly knew it. But these wise men studied the stars and recognized the signs. That truth is a key part of the Christmas story. In our passage in Revelation, we're going to see that there's one time never, seen, never before seen sign coming in the heavens that are around the time of the second coming. So wise men from Persia and Babylon saw something in the stars they'd never seen before. And the Spirit, don't miss this, the Spirit of God revealed to them what it meant. It was the star of the Jewish king. Regardless of exactly what it was, there can be no doubt the astronomers from the east saw a sign that God had placed in the heavens and knew through the Spirit of God that a king had been born. The evidence is so strong that they left home for three years to go see a king that wasn't even theirs. 
we learn an important truth from them. We may see things and think they're signs from God. In fact, sometimes they are. But we need to make sure that what we've seen and interpreted is correctly interpreted through the Spirit, that we're actually seeing the signs correctly. There's only one reason the wise men traveled three years to see a new king, and it wasn't that they saw a star in the sky. It was the fact that God himself confirmed to them that it was his star. That's what made them move. They got to Pilate, to uh, Jerusalem, and they said, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We saw his star. Not a star, his. We know it's his. So if the star seems to tell the coming of the first coming of Christ, do they do the same for the second? Is there any mention in end times prophecy about signs in the heaven that point to Jesus' return? And we find them in Revelation 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed in the sun with the moon under her feet and her head a crown of 12 stars. A great sign. Not something as mundane as a solar eclipse. This is a great sign in the heavens. A one time, never seen before, never will be seen again, sign in the heavens. John tells us this during a pause in Revelation. Before the, the final tribulation occurs. This sign is unique. It couldn't be common. It couldn't be repetitive. It's critical to note that John didn't tell us what the sign means. Don't miss that. In Revelation 12, John never says what this sign means. He simply says there's going to be two signs in the heavens. We're given many clues that we can understand. The woman is likely Virgo, who represents Israel. She'll be clothed with the sun, which usually means the sun will be behind her. The moon will be under her feet. She'll be crowned with 12 stars. The crown of Israel always in Scripture has been the tribe of Judah. Well, it turns out right above her head in the constellations, Virgo, the Leo the lion, is right above her head. Now, Leo has nine stars, so somehow the planets moving through are going to create 12, most likely. Moving stars through the constellations are planets, so people are going to be looking for when do three planets line up and create a crown on the lion of Judah's head. At the same time, somehow, God is going to show us that this woman is delivering a baby. I don't know if that's a meteor, meteor shower, I have no idea. That's why this is a great sign. And she's giving birth. And somehow we need to see the constellations, the planets, and the moon all at the same time. And the only time that ever happens is very early in the morning. Or at sunset in Jerusalem when all these things are visible. Now here's the thing. It's a sign, and you may be asking, has that ever happened before? I mean, when we play back all the years and years, has that ever happened? No, never. And then John uses another connector, another sign, a separate sign appears in heaven. Revelation 3, and another sign appears in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. That's unusual. Dragon with seven heads. And on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Now there's no indication of the time between these two signs. 
They're separate, but both are going to appear in heaven. The struggle between the tribe of Judah, Jesus, and Satan is found in the constellation Apicus, cleverly renamed the Serpent Holder. In this constellation, Jesus is seen wrestling and controlling the serpent Hydra while he's being stung on the heel, and Leo the Lion of Judah is crushing the serpent's head. This is a great red dragon, obviously going to represent Satan, cast out of heaven to earth, brings a third of the demons with, or heavenly angels with him that we call earthly demons. Hydra the serpent has 13 stars and one head, but its sister constellation, which has been cleverly renamed Hercules, shows us a picture of Jesus casting out the dragon with multiple heads, and that serpent has six heads. So right now there's an image in the sky of a serpent, six heads wrestling with Jesus. Six is the number of the beast. What's unusual is the future sign, somehow that dragon is going to have seven heads and ten horns. And that should bring us to the image of the reunited Roman Empire under the Antichrist, which will have ten horns and seven heads. At some point, the planets will join this constellation, and this will all play out in the, scar in the skies. I know it will. I don't know how, and I don't really think that much of it. It's just two signs that tell us we're towards the end of times. We continue. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she's been placed by God and prepared, and she's been nourished for 1,260 days, three and a half years. John tells us this woman will give birth to a male child that we know is Jesus, and he will rule the nations with a rod of iron. He's caught up to God on his throne. Satan wanted to devour him, but God rescued him. The same word here, caught up to heaven, is the same word where we get rapture. The woman will be forced to flee into the wilderness to escape the dragon, and she'll go to a place prepared by God. She'll be protected for three and a half years. What this is telling us most likely is that the nation of Israel will flee Jerusalem to a safe place, be protected by God for three and a half years during the Great Tribulation. We'll talk about that a lot in the next few weeks. So did God paint this picture in the sky? I mean, if the wise men could see the first coming of Christ and John tells us in Revelation that there's a great sign for the second coming, do we see it? No. The components would be a woman clothed in the sun, the moon under her feet, on her head 12 stars, pregnant, crying out in birth pain, and delivering a God child. No, we've never seen that in the skies before. Never in recorded history has anything really come close. There were a bunch of fanatics recently, uh, September 23rd, 2017, that were convinced the sign was going to be there. It's all over the Internet. It's very embarrassing. Um, um, it happened, hasn't happened yet, so we just wait for it. How long do we have to wait? That's God's call. Regardless of when it appears, though, God says it's a great sign that signals the end of times are very near. It brings up a critical point for us to understand. A sign, no matter what it is, has absolutely no meaning unless the Holy Spirit reveals that meaning to us in a manner consistent with the Word of God and the Scriptures. No matter what you think of it, the only thing that matters is what God says it is. 
The star of Bethlehem might have been cool, but what made the wise men rearrange their lives was that God told them that was the king's star. Now, I promised this series, when we started this series, that I would avoid wild speculation, but I also promised that we would avoid scoffing at every sign of the end times. Most pastors skip this passage because it's very difficult to figure out how to teach it. Jesus said there'd be signs in the heavens prior to the return of Jesus, specific signs. He didn't put a frame on them, a time frame. Over the last few years, we've seen blood moons that align with the Jewish feasts. We've seen solar and lunar eclipses, and one day we may see the incredible sign of Revelation 12 over Jerusalem. I say may because we might be raptured. I don't know. But here's my advice regarding this sign. If anyone tells you they think it means something, ignore them. They're fools. The only thing we care about when it comes to signs from God is what God says they are and what he says they mean. All we can safely say from Scripture is a great sign will appear in the heavens during end times, and there's nothing wrong with us looking for it. The Bible never tells us what it means. Nowhere in Revelation are we told what this sign means or when it will actually occur in the timing of end times or what may or may not follow it and how immediately it may follow it. So here's what God says in the Scriptures about what the sign in Revelation 12 means. It's not my opinion. It's not what I come up with or what I think. It is not my deduction from evidence. It's the truth straight from God. Do you want to know what the sign of Revelation 12 means? Brace yourself. You ready? Get ready. That's what it means. The sign of the end time says get ready. It's coming. Everything in our world right now is saying the exact same thing. Get ready. It's just one of hundreds flashing light boards on the dashboard of end times. Get ready. That's it. That's what God says about this sign. How do I know that? Luke 21, 28. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you care enough about us to create a world that is beyond us. Thank you, God, that you guide us into safe waters and safe harbors as we try to navigate a world of deception and lies from Satan. God, I pray today that we will just be aware of the fact that you have showed us the future and aligns with your word. God, we get no meaning from anything except from you. We seek no wisdom, no advice, no nothing that doesn't come from you and your truth, and we believe and act on nothing that doesn't align with what you've already revealed. But God, you did tell us to watch for signs. You did tell us we'd see things in the heavens. And I believe you did put the story of man in the heavens. So God, help us just to use that to step back in wonder and amazement at how incredible you truly are. Help us, God, as we continue to open your word through Revelation, as we look at things that are too, too incredible for us to know. We love you. We thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.